Amen. Take your Bibles, if you have one this morning, and turn to the book of John, the sixth chapter. John chapter six. I want to read for you chapter 6, beginning in verse number 32. It says, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven, and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son, and believeth on him, may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. I'm going to bring a message out of John chapter 6 this morning, entitled, The Bread Was Just Too Hard. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that you give to us to grow in our faith, to grow in our confidence and knowledge of you. Lord, I'm grateful that you're patient. No one else would be as long-suffering as you because we take so long to grow in our faith. And yet, Lord, we're going to be reminded today that it's impossible to please you apart from faith. So help us, I pray, have your mind this morning. Lead us, guide us. And Lord, I pray that you will be glorified in our time we spend together, for we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. When doubts or apparent inconsistencies in the Bible arise, remember the Bible is always true. It's hard to believe, but for quite some time, revered scientists taught that the earth was flat and that if you sailed far enough, you would fall off the earth in spite of the fact that Isaiah 40:22 said, It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. You see, the, the scientist chose not to believe the word of God. I read an article how George Washington died. Science believed in those years that certain cures could be 
made by draining the body of significant amounts of blood called bloodletting. It's reported that one morning George Washington woke up with a sore throat and he called the physicians. Over the next 12 hours they drained over 40% of his blood. That night he died. In spite of the fact that Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. It's interesting that only in the last few years have, have uh, physicians found out that that's true, that the life is carried actually through the blood. I could have told them. Since the garden, there has been an attack on the credibility of God's word. Satan said, Yea, hath God said? Is that really what God said? Is that what he meant? Jesus began his ministry by building a credibility. And he did so because he knew that the only way that his disciples could grow is if they would learn to believe him. Jesus performed a miracle earlier on in this chapter, feeding the 5,000. He took a couple of loaves and a few fish, prayed, thanked God for the food, and then they started shelling out this food. By the time they were done, not only were the 5,000 plus all fed, filled but they had 12 baskets of food left over. Incredible. Shortly thereafter, Jesus went to meet his disciples. Well, his disciples were in a boat in the water. <laughs> Jesus took a shortcut. He walked on the water. So now Jesus has fed the 5,000 miraculously, and he has walked on the water. And in verse number 25, in chapter 6, it says, and when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, whence camest thou hither? So the crowds have all now gathered after these miracles, the miracle of the 5,000 feeding them to the public and to his disciples of walking on the water. The crowds gathered once again, verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. That's why, by the way, we have cookies on Wednesday. You don't come for the Bible study, you come for the cookies. We know that. Verse 27, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Notice verse number 29. Jesus answered and said unto him, This is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Tell us, what can we do? What can we do to win his approval? What can we do for God? And here's what Jesus said, just believe. Believe. Believe on him whom he hath sent. Here's Jesus' answer. And here is the foundational truth upon which he builds this incredible, incredible chapter. Believe on me. Verse number 30, they said it therefore unto him, 
What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? In other words, show us what you can do. Do a miracle. Do a trick for us. Show us what you can do. Now this is already after Jesus turned the water into wine, fed the 5,000, and walked on the water. Show us what you can do. Amaze us with your tricks. Verse 31, they said, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Well, God gave our fathers manna from heaven. What can you do? How condescending. What can you do? And then Jesus began a teaching. He, took, he, he picked up on that word bread. He picked up on that, and he began a teaching the likes of which, for many years now, I have fallen in love with how he worked them in chapter number 6. I am both amazed, challenged, and humbled. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, verse 32, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And I want, as I'm reading these verses, to see if you can stay with it. Stay with what Jesus is saying. Frankly, it's simple. Where did we start with? We started with a foundation. What can we do for the Father? Jesus said, believe on me. There's the foundation. Now they said, now, now he, he sent manna that was bread. What can you do? And Jesus said, the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. The bread of God is the one who came from heaven and gives life. Now, of course, you and I, we understand what he's talking about. Jesus came from heaven to give life. Jesus said, believe on me. Believe on me. Verse 34. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. That sounds pretty cool. That's really great. A bread that you can eat and live forever? Wow, that's really something. Give us some of that bread. And Jesus, in verse 35, said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. Notice, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Haven't we heard that before? Believe on me. Now he said, come to me and believe on me. Why? Because I'm the bread of life. Is that complicated to you? Is, is, are, is your mind swimming right now? Is it, is it a really deep theological truth that's so hard to grasp? Jesus, I'm the bread of life. Come to me and believe on me. So far, so good, right? Verse 36, but I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. You've seen me. Obviously, they've at least heard about the miracles, and still they don't believe. Verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son, capital S, and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 35. Believeth. Verse 36. Believe. Verse 40. Believeth. The Heavenly Father offers you true bread from heaven, Jesus said. 
This bread is he who comes down from heaven giving life, Jesus said. I am that bread of life, Jesus said. Come to me, you'll never hunger. Believe on me, and you shall never thirst. So come and believe. Come and believe. Come and believe. He repeats these truths over and over because this is the foundation. You've got to come and believe. Nothing will make sense of what I'm going to tell you if you don't believe. Come and believe. What was the reaction? Verse 41, the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? They couldn't get over it. Jesus said, simply believe. I am the bread of life. Come to me and believe. Yeah, but Jesus, we can't believe on you because we know who you are. We watched you grow up. You're the son of a carpenter. We can't believe on you. Jesus said, you've got to believe on me. We can't believe on you because we know who you are. What changed from following him because of his miracles? They had seen him perform miracles. Now they're getting hung up on the fact they had also seen his upbringing. How could this family, this man who grew up in the family we know, be one who came down from heaven? As always, the signs were not enough. The miracles were never going to be enough. Jesus could not do enough tricks to convince them because it wasn't an intellectual problem. It was a heart problem. You see, Thomas had seen many miracles. Thomas, one of the twelve. But he still refused to believe. Unless I see the prints in his hands, I shall not believe. Verse 43, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come unto me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. There's a lot there that Jesus said that I'm sure went right over the heads. The only one that's seen the Father is the one who came from the Father. Jesus said, that's me. I've seen the Father because I came from him. He wanted his audience to hear that they were refusing to listen to their heavenly Father. He was, the Father was teaching all men. They shall be all taught of God. But only some were willing to listen. Every teacher knows the difference between hearing and learning. <laughs> the teacher stands up and teaches, and all, all the students are doing this. But that doesn't mean they all understand. <laughs> they're all hearing the words, but they're not getting it. And the teacher can prove it. All right, take out a piece of paper, put your notes away. It's time for a test. He was drawing all men, but most refused to be moved. Their refusal to believe in Jesus was a personal affront to their heavenly Father. Verse 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Almost like he's loaded both barrels of a shotgun and has pulled both triggers at the same time as he concludes this little package here, a portion of truth. 
He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. He's repeating this over and over and over again for emphasis. I am the bread of life. You've got to believe. Now, that's critical. Because for some time now, that's the last time Jesus is going to tell them to believe. He's repeated it over and over and over again, but he's done saying, believe. He gave them ample time to believe. He gave them miracles to believe. He gave them doctrinal truth to believe. But instead of believing, they murmured. And so in verse number 49, he begins to give them a cloudy lens of disbelief. Verse 49, he says, Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. In other words, that, that bread you're talking about, they're all dead. They ate that manna, but they're all dead. The bread I'm talking about that comes down from heaven, when you eat that, you never die. Verse 50, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my, here's the problem, flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. The manna they so revered had been eaten, and yet their distant relatives had all died. Jesus offered them bread that would allow them to live forever. However, it was his flesh. Now, sitting here, having doctrinal truth, knowing the story, we can put two and two together. We know that Jesus gave his flesh when he died on the cross. We know that. We can understand that. But if you did not know that, like they on the hillside listening to him preach did not know that, as soon as they decided not to believe, they refused to believe but murmured, then there's no way they're going to comprehend when he says, you've got to eat my flesh. Verse 52, the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? That makes no sense. But Jesus had told them before, you've got to believe. You've got to believe. You've got to believe in me. Here's again. You've got to come to me and believe. I'm the bread of life. Come to me and believe. Believing that, okay, we could begin to see through all this, but not if you don't believe. The Jews argued among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? It made no sense. That's cannibalism. That's an abomination in the law. The more they thought about it, the angrier they got. The more disgusted at Jesus they got. Verse 53. <laughs> I think in Jesus' mind, he said, you think that's bad? Listen to what i got to say now. Verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. For my flesh is meat or food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. 
This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Believe. You've got to believe. Now you've got to believe. Come to me and believe. I'm the bread of life. Come to me and believe. The whole doctrine depends on whether or not you're going to believe. And if you refuse to believe, you will not be able to understand the doctrine because the understanding is based upon belief. The farther he went, the more impossible it became for the murmurers to comprehend and believe. If they failed to believe first, they could not believe by this time. Verse 60, many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? His disciples said that. Many of the disciples said that. Many of his followers said that. This is a hard saying. We don't get it. We don't understand this. Their faith was still very weak. So, Jesus gave them a corrective lens of belief. In verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at him, he said unto them, does this offend you? What and if ye see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. Notice these words. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. They're spirit and they're life. There's the key. Jesus reminded his disciples, first of all, who he was. He was the eternal Son of God who was shortly to ascend into heaven. What if he did ascend up to heaven right in front of their eyes? Would they really believe any stronger? What trick would it take for them to really believe? Jesus reminded them that he had been teaching a spiritual truth. The spirit gives life, not the flesh. His physical body would soon die, but the spirit would live on, giving life forevermore. The words he had been speaking were spiritual. And they were to give life. To eat his flesh and to drink his blood was in a spiritual sense. Not physical. They weren't to bite on his hand, chew off a finger. How ridiculous. Of course Jesus wasn't preaching that. Nor would they have believed it if they believed. But they refused to believe. And so all they could see was this gory image of Jesus saying, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. But disciples, I'm talking spiritually. You have to partake of my being. No, don't bite on me. I mean spiritually. Unless they ate of him or believed on him, they would not have his life. Sadly, verse 64, but there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. 
And he said, Therefore I said unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of the Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. This is amazing to me. I love this. Jesus' omniscience knew those that would refuse to believe. He knew their heavenly Father was doing his part. He was drawing them. Unless they responded to the drawing of the Father, they would not believe. Jesus said, believe, believe, believe. Well, we will believe once we're proven. Once it's proven to us, we'll believe. Once you convince us, then we'll believe. No, he said, believe first. Believe first, because you will not grasp it if you don't believe at the beginning. Many who had followed Jesus up until them walked no more with him. They gave up on him. He didn't make sense to them. They couldn't figure him out. They stopped following him. Then I asked, I had to ask myself, in what ways have I given up on him because I couldn't figure him out? There were times in my life where circumstances, situations were such that, you know, I, I just can't figure out what's going on, and I've tended to give up on him a little bit, not following him like I was. Is it possible that there are some events, situations, circumstances in your life? They're so confusing, overwhelming, that instead of completely submitting to him and choosing to believe him, you've set him aside. You've relegated him to a different portion of where he was, and you're running it your way. Jesus said, you've got to believe. You've got to believe. You've got to believe. Verse 67, then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? After all they've been through, after all the times they've spent together, all the teaching he's given them, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. <laughs> you gotta, you got to appreciate Peter. Peter's almost like saying, Lord, we don't know what else to do. We don't get this, Lord, but we don't know what else to do. We don't comprehend it either, Lord, but there is something significant that Peter says. We believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And upon that basis, we are going to continue to submit to you regardless. And if you ask us to eat your flesh and drink your blood, because you're God, we'll do it. But we don't think that's what you're asking. And Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Well, Peter alluded to the fact that he might not understand everything that Jesus said, but he believed that Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah, the Son of the living God. His faith was in him, and sometimes, perhaps, his teachings were incomprehensible. I'm not getting it, Lord, but I'm still going to submit to you because I believe. I believe. I believe. 
However, not all in his midst believed. We knew that one of them was an unbeliever. One of them would not long from this time betray Jesus and go and hang himself. That one who hung himself saw all of Jesus' miracles, just like the 12, other 11, saw them all. But the miracles were not enough, as signs are never enough because it's a heart issue. So Jesus comes to us today, to you and to me. He says, do you believe? And you say, you know, this, this Christianity stuff, a lot of it makes sense, but there's some things I'm really struggling with. Once all those are figured out, then I will believe. Too late. Well, there's still a lot of things in the Bible I don't understand. But I know the simplicity of Jesus Christ coming from heaven and giving his spotless, sinless life on the cross to die for my sins. I understand that. And I chose to believe. I chose to believe. And interestingly enough, because of that decision to believe, the Spirit of God has helped me to understand many more truths that I can believe. Have you had some doubts about your salvation? I'm always amazed when somebody comes to me after many, many years of professing Christ. Somebody comes and says, Pastor, I've just... I just don't know for sure if I'm saved. Well, if you came to Jesus and confessed that you are a sinner, and by faith you trusted him to save you, according to the Bible, you're saved. If you're struggling with your doubts, you need to believe the truth of the gospel. In 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know. How do you know it? Because you feel it? No, because the Bible says it. These things have I written unto you that ye may know. I know I'm going to heaven not because I always feel saved. There's some times I wake up in the morning, bones aching, I don't always feel saved. But the Bible says I'm saved. I trusted Christ. I realized my own good works were insufficient. And I put my trans I transferred my dependence upon him. I got saved. When I go into heaven, I'm going in his good work, not mine. But that's because the Bible says that. I've chosen to believe it. What about doubts about God's direction in your life? Victor Raymond Edmond. Surrendered to the mission field and in 1929 moved to Ecuador. He went there to minister to the Quechua people. Four years later, he contracted a tropical disease and had to return to the U.S. for treatment. Well, he knew that God had called him to Ecuador, but he was now faced with a dilemma. He chose to believe that God was still leading him and he used that time to earn a master's degree and a Ph.D. He went on to become Wheaton College's fourth president. Incidentally, during the time that Billy Graham was a student there. Edmund is the one for famous for saying, don't question in the dark what God showed you in the light. When God leads you, when God leads you specifically in the light, 
And you know this is God leading me through his word. I know when things get dark, don't begin to distrust. Believe. 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 Believe Christ now before the trials come. Because when the shades get pulled and the lights go dark and life seems very, very dark to you, that's not the time to deliberate. I wonder if I believe. Believe first. Believe first. Jesus said you got to believe. And if you don't believe, when things get dark, you won't believe. He is faithful. And he will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. We can trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. <laughs> Only believe. I ask the question on a regular basis. And perhaps because of its familiarity, we go callous to it. So I want you to think about this question very seriously. Do you know for sure that when you die, you'll go to heaven? If there's doubts where you don't know for sure, <laughs> don't leave this place unsure. Don't let the devil give you all these uh, condemnations saying you're not worth it. Or, or what will they say? They've thought you've been saved all these years. What will they say? Do you really want to gamble with that? Jesus Christ loved us so much. He died on the cross offering his life as full payment for our sins. You see, the payment's all taken care of. It's all taken care of. And from us, he repeats the same thing as today's lesson. Believe. You've got to believe. Has there been a time in your life where you've come to Christ, acknowledging to him that you're a sinner, and it's impossible, it's impossible for you to go to heaven? Impossible, because you're a sinner. But you recognized his death on the cross was sufficient to pay for your sins. And you confessed to him that you were a sinner. And then by faith you trusted him and him alone to forgive you and to save you. Have you ever trusted Christ and Christ alone to save you? Have you? If not, in just a moment when I ask us to bow our heads, I want you to pray to Christ. And I want you to trust him for your salvation. Is there an area in your life that, quite frankly, you have stopped believing? You believe that God called you to this or God led you to do this, but because it got dark all of a sudden, now you don't believe any longer. Perhaps you should believe what he led you in the light. What is it this morning? Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible only believe only believe only believe all things are possible only believe
Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you. Thank you for reminding us today of the importance of believing in you. Lord, we live in a really messed up world. And there's so many things going on out there that are abomination to you. And Lord, Christians more and more are becoming targets of persecution. And Lord, it seems like it's getting darker and darker out there. So Lord, help us today to choose to believe now. No one's looking around, heads are bowed or eyes are closed. I wonder, is there anyone in this congregation this morning that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I do not know for sure that when I die, I'm going to heaven, but I want to know. Please pray. I'm not going to call your name out. I want to pray for you. Anyone that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Anyone? I do not know for sure that heaven is my home, but I want to know. Please pray for me. Anyone? Dear Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for how you have spoken to our hearts this morning. Lord, would you help us to believe you more? Lord, you've given us so much, so many reasons to believe. Lord, you've given us your word, cover to cover, but you've also worked in our hearts, and for that we're thankful. So strengthen our faith, I pray, Lord, and help us to live for you. And Lord, we'll give you the praise for it. For we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.